Welcome. You're listening to the Bible Marathon Project, your one-stop class for learning Bible interpretation, defending your faith, using spiritual gifts, and building consistency in your devotion with God. We hope these sessions are a blessing to you as they have been to us. And without further ado, we say welcome to Vulnerability Sunday. I don't know why they always have to tell us, <laughs> but we have to start getting used to that. So welcome everyone to Bible Marathon. This is Bible Marathon. Um, I want to say welcome to everyone who's joining us today. And for anyone who's joining us for the very first time, I want to say a good and huge welcome to you. Um, we meet here every Sunday and our focus basically is to illuminate our minds with the words, teachings, and doctrines of Christ. Um, oh, Mixlar is off air. Can anyone help with that right now? Can anyone help with that right now? Uh, and someone should just let them know that we're working on it. Okay. Um, I do see that we have a special guest here. Um, and I'm going to do all the introductions at the right time. But I just want to say you guys are all welcome. And like I said, Bible Marathon is not a church. Bible Marathon is not um, an institution per se. It's a platform where we encourage one another in the faith, where we fill up the gaps that are missing many times in the church, you know, in, in respect to teaching, in respect to community, respect to vulnerability. We try to fill in those spots. And that's what we've been doing for the past year before then it was just a an accountability group but now it's beyond that and i just really want to say thank god for how far we've come i mean i've been thinking about just the different things we've done over the past months and i'm like wow this is amazing a lot of people have experienced growth and i'm thankful for that um today without wasting too much time we're having a special session that many of you have been anticipating and i'm hoping that more people join um, in time. This is the part two of our teaching last vulnerability Sunday last month, which is nuptial ties. And this is part two. As you can see from the design, it's, I mean, that the spelling is wrong, but it's intentional. It's nuptial ties too. All right. And if you remember what we did last month, we talked about God's idea of marriage. What is the marriage institution all about? We don't want to just have the idea that the world is putting before us. What does the Bible tell us about marriage? What should marriage be for? And today we have, you know, a special guest with us. And the reason we have a special guest is because as much as we have all the knowledge in God's word, you know, we have the scriptures to go back to. We have heard stories. We have good role models that we've looked into and seen that they have marriages that work. And we just think, oh, we know what a marriage is. The truth is that's not how it works. Um, wisdom demands that we have multitude of counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. The Bible also you know, encourages us to seek the wisdom of the, uh, of the elderly. You know, these people have experienced the things that we want to discuss today. And so at this point, I want to introduce, and it's my great honor to introduce the father of one of our amazing members on this group. Um, his name is Mr. I think he's signed in as Mr. T 
Tony as Tony, but he's Miss is um Treasure's dad, um Mr. Emaviwe, if I'm right to say it that way. So we want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us, sir. Um with the 26 plus years of marital experience, we're very sure that we would have um, some great insights from you, even as we have this discussion. So today is a, uh, oh, I see one clap. Can we all say welcome to Mr. Tony? Can we all do that? Welcome, Mr. Tony. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Welcome, Mr. Tony. Welcome, Thank Mr. You. Tony. All right, we have a video. We have a video. Welcome, sir. Glad to be, glad to be in your midst. Thank you so much. Uh, just, just to reiterate, this is just a platform where we come together, you know, with the ultimate purpose of glorifying God, but to edify each other. We're in a time where, you know, there's so much going on and we need the truth of God's word to guide us. And so we're so glad to have you here. Um, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about marriage today. And there are so many aspects to this topic. But what we're going to do is have a discussion and um, get to hear one or two things from everyone um, and try to line up with what God says about marriage. So I think we just want to start. Let's start with a basic introduction to this to this topic, kind of piggybacking from what we did last month, because we have some very important topics today, which I will say very shortly. But I want to just, you know, first of all, ask Mr. Tony to open the floor for us in prayer, and then I'll ask a question, um, and then we can move on from there. Let us pray. Precious Father, we give thanks to you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to share fellowship one with another, to learn from your word, and to bring in our godly experiences. Lord, we hand over the session to you. We ask, O oh God, that you direct and lead each and every one of us, that we all be blessed from this program in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, sir. Amen. All right. For those of you that just joined us, this is Bible Marathon, and we are talking about nuptial ties. The first question I want to ask, sir, and I promise I won't be doing this very often, it's just so that we can get the ball rolling. Uh, the first question I want to ask is, so what is marriage? What is it? All right. Um, marriage is um, God's uh, institution, um, bringing a man and a woman together uh, for some purposes, for certain purposes that God uh, did that. Um, one of it at the very beginning, he did say that it's not good for the man to be alone. And so um, it is the coming together of a man and a woman in a godly union for certain purposes. And one of it is for companionship. Uh, the second one is to raise uh, a godly seed. And um, the third one is to have a formidable army that can help to fulfill God's purpose. So those are three key reasons why uh, God instituted that uh, uh, marriage right from the very beginning. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, one second. Sorry, Daniel, could you reach out to someone to help in that regard? Maybe Shaitan. Thank you. Yeah, so um, that that's really beautiful. He mentioned three, three key 
aspects. There's companionship. There is, you know, God's God one, um, God fulfilling His purposes on the earth for raising godly seed, and then ultimately to, um, I I don't remember. I think I just merged points two and three into that second one I just said now, but that's a powerful um, description of marriage, and I think it's very biblical. We we saw some of those things last month, Um, but. Another question, and, and I think this is very important for a lot of young people, especially for me. Um, what if we can have those things without marriage? So it's a question someone brought up. We always say marriage is for companionship. We always say marriage is, you know, a platform or an opportunity to see other people grow and um, grow in the knowledge of God. And someone was asking me, wait, if marriage is truly about companionship, how about just having a friend and not getting married? So maybe my question is, is marriage for everyone? And the second part of that question is, how do we know if marriage is for us, if marriage is not for everyone? I don't know if that question is clear. And I think anybody can talk at this point. So, I, so that I'm not putting so much on Mr. Tony for now, but any at some point, anyone can contribute. So the question is, why, like, if people say that, you know, marriage is for companionship, you know, but I can have companionship either way, right? I can have good friends that I have companionship with. So it's meaning marriage is not the only institution where there can be companionship. Um, I can decide as a, and this is just me, you know, sharing some thoughts from the world we live in today. Someone can say, oh, well, I don't want to get married, but I can get a child and, you know, train up that child and I will still be doing the will of God. I don't need to be married to perform that task. Or someone else might say, and obviously we are believers, so we, we, ex- we have an exception, a clear exception on um, sex before marriage, meaning sex is designed to be in marriage, not outside of it. So we're leaving that completely out of the picture now. But for the other reasons, my question is, should, I mean, should everyone get married? Are there people that will not get married or should not get married? And then the follow-up question to that is, how do we know if we're in that, we're in that category? Uh, please don't let Mr. Tony sweat though. Is there a fan? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just put on the AC. Don't worry. Okay, okay. And the, the question is for everyone, please. I, I really want us to interact. I know we have a special guest here, but it's 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 a cause for interaction. We need to we have a lot to discuss today. So I need everyone to start, you know, unmuting their mics and sharing thoughts. You guys are not this quiet normally or what's happening. <laughs> what was the question again? Ha, okay, I'll try again. Should everyone get married? Let's start from there. Um, I think not everyone can get married and not everyone should get married. The reason I say that is not everyone is down for a lifetime commitment with someone. So that would be my reason. And also 
not everyone is not everyone is willing to be selfless right and you cannot be selfish in a marriage so that's my answer uh, not everyone should get married and for those reasons okay i love i love that that response so basically she she's um letting us see the place of of selflessness submission and um basically letting go of your own personal life when you decide to get married to a person so if you are not willing to do that you know don't do it it's almost like jesus said count the cost you know before you take up the cross like count the cost this is don't start building a house without knowing what you need to build that house so that that's shaitan's thoughts any question any other like um thoughts from anyone else should people get married should people not are there people that should not get married and for what reason Maybe I should come in there. Um, sure. We can take a cue from what um, Apostle Paul said. Yeah, if you marry, you do well. If you don't, you also do well. Uh, he wished that there were more people that would uh, be like him. Like him. Right. And why was he saying that? Uh, it was so. It was very clear in First uh, Corinthians seven down to eleven where he was talking about the person that's married, cared for the things of the world, mm -hmm. yeah, how he may please um, the spouse as, as it were, but the one that is not married is fully devoted to, to the Lord. So for the purpose of people devoting themselves to, the, to serving the Lord, there are some persons who have the grace and will not need to go through a marriage for the purpose of devoting themselves and uh, fully serving the Lord. Um, the other reason is what uh, Sister had just uh, mentioned earlier. Yeah, if you are not ready to um, to be selfless, to give yourself uh, out for the benefit of another, yeah, that institution may not be too well for you. However, I do believe that uh, people can learn with teachings like this. Uh, people can learn to prepare themselves for that kind of an institution, so that you live within the boundaries and the framework of God. Hmm. I love that. Thank you so much, sir. So, so what I'm hearing is there is the biblical injunction, or let's say concession, like Paul said. Like, hey, you know, if you could be like me, it's better. You don't have to worry about any anything else. You know, like in, just like um, Mr. Tony mentioned, they. I, I want to find the exact verse so that we can see it. I don't know if that's what I have on the screen already. Yeah, First Corinthians seven thirty two says, "But I want you to be without care, meaning I don't want you to have anything to worry about." You know, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Then he says, "But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife." And then he goes on and mentions, you know, that if you're unmarried, you have ultimate full-time devotion to god you know uh let me make someone else a co-host here so i don't focus on adding people myself sorry guys i don't like multitasking all right um, daniel are we on mixer now uh still on it a bit all right thank yeah, you all right. And you know, it's here, it says there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. Virgin here just means an unmarried woman. Um, it's old English. 
um, specifically here in King James or New King James says, the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So in a sense, Paul is saying two things. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is good. Um, but being unmarried is better. <laughs> it's basically Paul's idea. Like I'm unmarried. I can focus on everything that matters. But I think this is contrary to the general thrust of our time. And this is just something I've been noticing. There are a lot of people, in fact, statistics show that a lot of people are spending a lot more time unmarried and married. So many years ago, people were getting married really early. It didn't take so long. You know, a family knew the other family. It was, oh, I've seen this flower in your garden. You know, let's do what we have to do. And then they're together. But we look at today and we see a lot of people, you know, aging, getting a lot older, and, and they have a lot of reasons apart from serving Christ, why they're not married. Um, and a lot of people are even running away from the idea of marriage. It scares people. And I want us to be very vulnerable and honest here. A lot of people look at married couples today and they're like, I beg, if this is what marriage looks like, I'm not going into it. You know, And even those people who are having the, ex the most exciting Christian, God-exalting marriages, they are nowhere to be found. It seems like they just all went to hide in one um, cabinet while we just keep, all we are seeing everywhere is everything that does not glorify God. And so the truth is it scares people. Um, so while the Bible gives us reasons why you know a person should not get married, and the reason here is like, hey, you can focus your attention on the Lord. You can do a lot more for him. Um, he also still advises, hey, don't burn with lust, get married. Um, and you will still serve God, obviously. But the, what, what I'm getting at is the world today is telling us something very different. A lot of people are, number one, afraid of marriage. It seems like they're going to lose their lives in the process to um, a particular person who they have to either be submissive to or from the side of the man, the man has to love this one woman and shut his eyes to all other women, you know, as the Bible commands. So I just want us to, I'm bringing our minds into this topic. And can we get a very um, strong evidence for marriage? That's what we want to do. Like, let's defend the institution of marriage. Is, is it scary? Is it some, and if it is, if it is scary, why is it scary? If it's not scary, if it's something beautiful, why don't we see so much of it today? Why don't we see good marriages being spoken of? Or what are the assumptions that people have, you know, about marriage that may be, may be wrong? So that's kind of where we want to go now. So I know I've said a lot of stuff in very long-winded um, talk, but let me ask specific questions now in line with what I've discussed why are many people today not getting married? Is, that's, my, that's my first question. Like, why are people today not getting married? Why are they waiting very long before they get married? I mean, can anyone verify what I'm saying? A lot of people, it's either on the girl's part, guys are not being serious with them. So they just take them on a the long journey and that's like, you know, it's going nowhere. 
or so it's, it could be anything. So what do you guys think about that? Why is this happening? Uh, can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, so um, this is actually an issue that I've been over and talking to people for like a month now. And I think one of the reasons why many people aren't getting married now is because the focus on marriage has shifted from it being about building a family, serving each other, and has now shifted over to just self. So now questions people are always asking now is, what will this person do for me? What will the marriage do for me? Will I be happy in the marriage? It's not will we be happy. It's not a matter of we anymore. It's simply a matter of me, 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 me. So I think that is one of the reasons why people aren't getting married. And then there's the legal side of it that we have in some Western cultures. And this affects the men more, seeing as um, many women initiate divorce more. And when they do, the men tend to lose all of their life earnings, all of the things that they've worked for and different things like that. They don't get access to their children anymore. So there are a couple of reasons why I think these are the two most important ones um, that are currently prevalent in our culture now. Mm. Let me add to that. Yeah, please. Okay, so um, there are actually a whole lot more reasons than that. Um, you have people say things like um, they don't have the financial capacity yet, especially some of the guys in Nigeria here. Don't have the financial capacity yet to take care of the woman. They are looking for that kind of money that at least they'll be very comfortable and everything while taking care of the, the spouse or the woman. Um, you also have, as you also mentioned, the fear of commitment seems to also be one very huge thing in our own time and age. Um, a lot of times, both ladies and guys are very um, afraid, like, is it possible for for us to be committed to something like this for a long period of time. That's another thing. And the third one is even the examples we have nowadays. Um, so a lot of people question and ask themselves, okay, is this something that we actually want to go into um, based on experiences that they have seen or they've heard, sorry, and um, things they probably have even seen in their home, a lot of broken homes, broken marriages, um, a lot of people see whether their mother's suffering or one or two things like that. And so because of these personal experiences and these scars, if I may call it that, um, a lot of people are very, very afraid of getting into the institution of, of marriage. So various people just have um, various things, but... I think one, one of the major ones has to be with the experience part mm -hmm. and what a lot of people had actually had to experience either growing up or at some certain point in their lives or in the media or when they talk to other people and then the fear of commitment. And I think the fear of commitment, um, one of the major issues with that is because people are very self-centered, mm -hmm. are not willing enough to want to give up a part of themselves um, or to sacrifice or to compromise hmm. for the other person. And so because of that, um, people would rather just stay away from the institution. Yeah. Right. Thanks for that. I just wanted to comment on what you said real quick. First of all, I want to appreciate you for repping married people. You know, I don't know if anyone noticed his name today is Treasure 
and Ruby. What God has joined together, let yeah. no man put us on that. So I'm proud of you for doing that. Um, <laughs> and Isola said, I think we can close. Abby, you're supposed to be at work. But it's good, it's good to see you here. I will not tell your boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, Treasure, thanks for that. That's, um, that's so good what you just said and i think what what treasure just said like that's really the problem this is treasure and ruby not just treasure Sorry. thank you <laughs> but it was treasure's voice i heard i'm there <laughs> i use anybody leave me alone <laughs> um but yeah like what he said the fear of commitment you know and the fact that you know people have seen failed relationships and victoria you speak after this but I, I've always been thinking about this. Like people say, oh, I'm not going to get married because I've seen marriage A fail, marriage B fail, marriage C fail. And I'm like, is this what people do in other aspects of life? Would you say because business A, B, and C failed, I would not start a business? Or because three students in this course failed the course, I will fail the course too. Like it's why does that come in in the marriage Institute. Why is it different when it comes to marriage? So yeah, let me hear from Victoria. I think there was something I was, let me, before Victoria speaks, sorry, I saw something on the chat. I want to read it. It's from Izzy. She says, a lot of people can still, a lot of people still can't do without getting married. They say marriages won't work and Christians still say people should go ahead and fornicate and have kids without attachment i think that was there was a context to what she said that we've lost because of all the conversations but i think she was just saying that a lot of people are still pushing wrong ideas basically all right um victoria let's hear you speak okay okay so just to like um emphasize on what treasure said like um people see bad examples. So for example, now me, like, like I said, I used to be very scared about getting married. Even now, like I'm still kind of scared, but I'm renewing my mind. And to be, to be really honest with myself, the reason is because I see my parents' marriage and I'm like, no. And it's not even just me, like me and my siblings that were like, nah, like if this is what marriage is. And it's not just like seeing their marriage. We've heard stories like, you know, they'll say that, okay, as a Christian, you know, pray to God, like let God lead you to get married. And they pray to God, God led them to get married. Yes, the thing is all still messed up. You get, and then most of, and I guess what the society kind of like highlights when it comes to marriage, like everybody, people really talk about good marriages. And even if you see people that look like their marriages are good, you start seeing people say that, oh, it's just, it's just for social media, things like that, that you know what's going on behind. And truly, after some time, you come and hear that they've broken up, you come and hear that someone is beating somebody. You know, that kind of thing, just kind of like, there's just this mindset to marry that, like, is like, so, so for someone like me now, at some point, I was like, okay, even if I'm going to get married, maybe I'll just get married for, so just have sex legally. And then it's going to be like strictly like the contract is going to be like strict. This is what you're going to be doing. This is what I'm going to be doing. You know, like it was not like, I don't know, everything is just messed up. Like, and it, I would say that for me, it's really because of what I've seen, like what I've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. Most of the marriages I've been exposed to are bad. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Victoria. In fact, just, just as a reminder, this is Vulnerability Sunday. So she just, she just really proved that, you know, a lot of us, the truth is 
on the surface, we just it just looks like everything is sunshine and rain, um, you know, but the reality is we are all going through a lot of stuff. And thankfully, our hope is beyond this world. But even now, the fact that we can commune together and discuss these things is, is, is more than a blessing. So thanks for sharing that, Victoria. And, and just to, so that we don't lose this opportunity, there are good marriages. There are good marriages, trust me. There are good God glorifying marriages that if you see them, you're like, oh no, I can't wait to get married. Um, but yeah, just just to, uh, anyone else want to add something before we move on to like the next uh point of conversation? We're still asking the question, why don't people get married? Treasure has told us, Treasure and Ruby by extension have told us um that it's the fear of commitment and maybe mostly because people don't see good examples more than enough um, innocent sure uh, let me read what innocent says on the chat real quick uh innocent says i feel this generation tends to shy away from marriage because they feel they would miss out on their social life such as clubbing not having responsibilities and so on i think most people already lost that um when they grew older adulting hits them and <laughs> responsibilities came so the truth is, even, even someone who doesn't get married still ends up having responsibilities. They still end up, you know, not being able to do the things that they would naturally want to do for the sake of, um, for, for, the, for sanity, <laughs> for their own welfare. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. A lot of people are trying to avoid the responsibility that comes with marriage. They just want to live life and jai, as most people say. Um, Treasure wanted to add something. Okay, yeah. So, um, Ernest, just yeah. to you said something. Um, if we applied some of some of the things that we did, or we say, okay, because business A, B, and C field doesn't uh, now means that we will not do business. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things in this life would not um, move forward if we were to have such um, thinking. Uh, but what I want to say is a good part of what we or why people are afraid actually is what I call selective or subjective experience. Um, subjective experience in the sense that you have probably just seen this on the media. And if you notice, the media has a tendency to carry things that are more negative than positive, especially in our time and age. They are quick to show, oh, this person cheated on this person. And they are quick to show, oh, these people have actually have 30 years of fruitful and beautiful relationship. So it's not like as if these things are in there, right? Mm. But um, subjective experience comes into play because I have realized, I've witnessed A, B, or I've heard A, B, C, D, E. Mm. And because of that, that forms my experience. And because of that, we now think that that subjective experience or that thing that we've experienced is actually the norm. And most times it's not like that. So there's a there's a need for us to actually just separate our own, why is the word subjective experiences in the sense that, okay, you know what, I've seen this thing on the media, it happens a lot of times because we see it a lot on the media, doesn't cover all the marriages or all the relationships out there. Mm. And the truth is in our time and age, there are good marriages and relationships that are out there. But as the media, it does, it's not things that, that trend a lot and everything, but it is out there. And, and personally, I grew up in a family that was fantastic. 
<laughs> and honestly speaking, like it was fantastic in all sense of the fact that I could, I never saw my parents quarrel. It was just very weird. It's not like I didn't know that they didn't have their disagreements, but I never got to see it and everything. And I come from such a home and all that. In short, it was weird for me because when I actually now came out and started interacting with people, and I found out that, wow, that's, can you imagine that people's homes are actually much more different than what I grew up in and stuff like that. So we should put it out there that those things are actually still in existence till date. Mm. Not, let's not use our subjective experience or what the media portrays to us to just make us think that those things don't actually exist. Mm. Powerful. Sage yeah. treasure. As- let's hear from Mr. Tony now. Yeah. Uh, thanks, uh, everyone. Um, uh, I've kind of followed uh, the direction we have just a step onto, and I'm glad that uh, this has come to the fore. Um, all of the fears that have been expressed, they are real. Uh, they are what um, is happening in the society. Um, and just to take it off from this, um, a situation that a friend of uh, uh, ours was handling, and it was based on this same kind of reasoning. Yeah, you have a young boy, you have a young girl who are basically uh, living together, but the man refusing clearly to uh, get married, arguing that um, the things he has seen uh, does not uh, give any hope mm. for marriage, which is a kind of uh, fears that have been expressed here as well. Um, and those are also very true, but just like uh, uh, you and Treasure have said, there are countless examples of uh, marriages that are doing very well. Uh, you know, depending on the uh, perspective you are looking at things from, you can always count a lot of examples to use to buttress your, buttress your point. And then you lose sight of the other side that actually shows you the very good uh, examples. You get the instances of uh, people who probably have seen others fail at some courses and, and all of that, it has not prevented people from going to read such uh, courses. Right. Yeah? And so the same thing with, um, with this issue of marriage. The fact that people have had a lot of issues uh, does not mean that the marriage institution is now bad. Uh, and as we progress in this discussion, I would like to share some insight on some of the things, some of the possible reasons why uh, people encounter the kind of things that they go through um, in marriages. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I would like to say, the fact that another person has failed does not mean that you will fail. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've said to people who have been so frightened by what they are seeing is, you can go there to be the example of what you did not see. There are people who have not had, um, came from uh, backgrounds where they didn't see good examples, but I challenge them to see those things you were yearning for when you were growing up and you didn't see, as long as you are a Christian, you can go and model that example for other Mm -hmm. people to see. So you can make up your mind to say that, look, what I saw my parents go through, I don't want to go through that. I Mm -hmm. want to be the other person. So Mm -hmm. that is a challenge that we can take from here to say that I can do differently because the word of God has made it clear to us. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And if we were to walk by the boundaries that the scriptures are provided, you find that we'll be happy in our homes. So maybe as we progress, we can share some more insight on the things that can make marriage to to work so that uh, we can all be benefit from from that. So let me 
just up it here and then All we'll right. progress with the discussion. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Like it's almost like you can see my script. Um, the next question after this round is how how what makes a marriage work? So you're right on time. But I want yeah. uh, Daniel to get ready to respond real quick. Uh, can I come in now? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for your contribution so far, Mr. Tony, as well. I think Mr. I know you know, if you notice, I raised up my hand. And immediately I raised up my hand, Mr. Tony just said what I wanted to say. <laughs> so the thing is, I wanted to just share part of my experience as well. And just following on from what Victoria said, um, I, I, which I was, I must count treasure to be very lucky because, you know, I heard him say that I did go, you know, he grew up in a family where, you know, he never saw any, saw any of these things happen. I, I for one would say I grew up in a family and I thank God for where, what, you know, what they are now. Like my parents said, I grew up with a man, with a father, like, you know, it was very, it could have been very aggressive and it also had to stop bringing and, you know, him being in the world and all of that. But, and I think this goes on to my life generally and everything that I do in my life is I, I have taken so much from my parents and my elderly ones. And, you know, what I saw in my parents' marriage, and I think this is where there's hope for you, Victoria, for everyone else who is scared of marriage, is I made a vow. Like, I'm married now, and from right from when I was young, the first vow I made to myself was me seeing myself as a young boy, seeing my dad, you know, beat my mom terribly. I made that vow that I would never lay my hand on my wife. Now, it is, these are things that can spoil you on and you know you can take on yes this is just taking on the negatives and turning them into your personal like making the positive for yourself making it something that will drive you like you know like anything we do in other um, areas of our lives you know so many little things you know there's so many scary things you hear about marriage mm -hmm. and you know i i i can see i've experienced so much first and and it's just making that personal conviction and with the help of the holy spirit the help of god as well like and that's why we're christians are believers you know committing your marriage like just stop making another reference to my friend's marriage i was talking about they're still together till now like this is a marriage of 30 years and you know they've been through to us and you know god has been keeping them and you know helping them to grow and making both parties better people but that's it that's it you know you should not be scared of it with christ you know he can overcome any challenge and not to get too spiritual about it also. It's just, you know, you have to make that personal decision. It's a decision you have to make to be to to make sure, you know, you're not running away from this because of what you are seeing, what you are hearing. Like everyone has so like Treasure said, there are so many beautiful marriages out there. And this is not denying the fact that yes, there will be issues in marriage. Like there would be one or two disagreements. Not issues, but you know, there can be disagreements. But it's being aware of that, you know, and knowing that you're not going to let this like there's also another um, personal commitments made in my marriage as well that will never like even if we disagree during like during the day or like we'll never sleep over it like you know we must not go to bed with that like we need to resolve it before the next morning so those are just the little things so yes it could be all scary and gloomy but yeah that's just it's, it's very lovely and very beautiful mm. so thank you very much thank you so much daniel nice thoughts on those before we move to the next um topic i just wanted to like you know share a story uh, someone shared with me said a father had two sons this father was a when i say a staunch drunkard like he would drink and come home and he just didn't have any control in that regard um, these two brothers grew up and um, they had very different marriages and they were basically interviewed 
the first one, they asked him like, how come, you know, things are going bad in your marriage and things are going well with your brother's marriage. And he said, he said, I saw my father as a drunkard and that influenced me so bad that end, I ended up being a drunkard and beating my wife. And the, the brother responded and said, that was the very same thing that I had in mind, but my resolution was I will not be like him. So we had the same example, but we had different resolutions. You just said, he's my father, and there's nothing I can do to change this. I got his genes, I will be a drunkard. The other one said, hey, I'm not going to be like this man. He has shown me exactly what a father should not be. And I think it's just, it solidifies the points that we've heard today. Perspective is everything, you know? You can look at a situation, someone sees it as the worst thing ever. Another person sees it as an opportunity, you know, to create something different. So I, I, I just, it's just, this, it's just a message of hope for someone who is listening here and thinking, man, is there really hope? You know, do I really want to go into this marriage thing? And um, real, really important is to remember that God instituted this thing. And when God creates a thing, there is always a purpose for it. If we look at the stars, we look at the sun, we look at all creation, we're like marveling, we're like, wow, this is amazing. We have an amazing God. He's great. You know, look at how the sun keeps going, you know, doing its thing, the earth rotating, all the planets, everything is still functioning well. And it's the same creator that instituted marriage that created all these things. Then you must know that there's a bigger thing behind marriage than what you see in the surface. And I think we'll get to that part Um We'll talk a little bit about this today. Just to give you a heads up on what top, um, the few topics we have ahead. The next thing we want to discuss now is what makes a marriage work, all right? Right after that, we're going to discuss what does the Bible have to say about divorce and remarriage, all right? Which is a very heavy topic um, that might probably need its own session, but we will discuss it today. And finally, how do you know when to get married? What are the factors that should, you know, let you know when to get married, who to get married to and, and the like? So let's go straight to the next point right now. And that is what makes a marriage work? We've seen marriages that have failed. We've seen marriages that, you know, are still standing strong, some 56 years, some, you know, almost like <laughs> I was thinking about a verse that says some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I've, I've seen marriages that, you know, have have their degrees of success but i think it still comes back to the question what does work mean right like we said what makes a marriage work but that's still ambiguous what 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 do we see in a marriage that helps us say it's, it's working is it because they are together because i know a lot of people who they are only the only reason they are together is because they have kids some of you know what i'm talking about the only thing keeping them together is we have kids if we divorce it will mess their life up so we don't want to do that you know some other people think a successful marriage is at least we don't argue another person's definition of a successful marriage or a marriage that works is you know we are, every single day is like bliss or more like we're on honeymoon 24 <laughs> 7 every single day of the year uh, so what is let, let's discuss that what does a marriage that works look like. And that's what Shaitan put on the chat. So the question is, what does a successful marriage look like? So let's, I think by answering this question, we're going to take away 
some ideas that we have of what marriage should should look like because i think that's where we're having the problem you think this is what marriage should look like and so when you get into it and it's not looking exactly what you thought and it's 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 it becomes a problem for you so what does a successful marriage look like Ademola says Boaz and Ruth do you want to expatiate most I don't know Boaz and Ruth I'm kidding but I mean someone here might be like what who are those two people are they members are they on BBN are they in Big Brother Nigeria what (laughs) who are these people Ademola do you want to talk or does anyone want to contribute here yeah, I, I just want to say something. I All right. Uh, we can hear you. Just speak okay. close to the device. Okay, I'm in the restaurant. So, um, I think successful marriage, the foundation has to be divine. Like, like Christ is the foundation. You are led into it by Christ. And I'm eating right now. Sorry, I just, I need to... <laughs> Yeah, it's in the rice that treasure is talking about. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Christ has to be the foundation and and then other, you know, sometimes you go for seminars and it's progressive. You learn, you learn, know what works for you. And that's all I was just saying. All right, thank you. Does anyone want to add anything? What makes a marriage successful? Like, how do we define a successful marriage? When we are in school, the way we measure um, academic success is if you have a first class or a second class, you know, or you did drop out. Someone else' success measure of success is ah, well, I passed cut off mark, <laughs> you know. So, how do we measure marital success biblically? That's my question. I need someone to talk. You guys are loaded. We've heard from the sage treasure. By the way, for those of you who are joining us, you know, either for the first time or joined in late, the young man you can see there with his camera is the only compliant in this meeting right now. But that is um, the father of our precious treasure in our group here. And he, he honored the invitation to come share some wisdom with us. So um, just I'm just reiterating that it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here, sir. All right, let's let's get some let's get some feedback. You guys talk. What makes a successful marriage? You guys know these things. You used to Google. You used to watch Netflix. Maybe you have some ideas from there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm playing too much. Okay, someone says. Um, Chaitan says one that mirrors Christ and the church. Hmm. We're going very deep. One that mirrors Christ and the church. Because I mean, that is loaded in itself. You have to ask, who is Christ? Where's the church? What kind of relationship do they have? Then you can probably conclude from there. Okay, praise says, for me, by the way, if there's anything, any comment in uh, Mixlr, please copy it and paste it here so we can see it. We have an audience listening to us on another platform right now. Um, it's for those who are trying to save data. Uh, for me, a successful marriage is one that has Christ at the center. That's what praise is saying. A marriage where there is love, respect, service between spouses, patience, etc. Okay, that's that's um, that's a lot right there. You know, but 
maybe I want to be the play the advocate here and say there are some marriages where you see these things, you see love, you see respect, you see service. They're not they're not Christians. Would that be a successful marriage? They don't have Christ at the center, but they are living together. They are doing everything that God instituted marriage to do. What do you guys think about that? This is where you want to unmute yourself and talk because... Um, uh, um, Ernest, can I go? Yeah, treasure. Okay, so um, I think the last time we had this session, um, I, I mentioned that uh, because we were made in the image of God, um, man, irrespective of the fact that he's fallen, has the tendencies to still do certain things to mirror the image he, in which he was created in. Right. So for example, as you've mentioned, it is possible for someone not to be in Christ, but then again, be able to love mm. his wife and everything. Treasure. But the question to yeah. ask here You're no longer is, a Calvinist <laughs> by what you just said right now. <laughs> but the Go question ahead. to ask here is simply this. By whose standard are we using to rate whether the marriage is successful or not? Mm. Yes, by the world standard, it is possible for me to see, oh, this guy is, you know, um, loving his wife, the, the belly quarrel, you know, everything is seemingly good. By the world standard, yes, this marriage seems to be, quote and unquote, successful. But by the one whom has called our lives, which is Jesus Christ, a marriage that is not centered around him is not successful by his own standards, right? So Amen. we, what standards are we to take, if not the standards of the one who has purchased our souls, hmm. right, and has called us his own? So yes, it is possible for a non-believer to mirror the image of what we see within the biblical standards. But then again, by Christ's standards, as long as the marriage is not centered on Christ, then it is not successful in any way. That's my contribution. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Yinka, you wanted to say something? Okay, while we're waiting for someone else to add, okay, he's here. Go ahead. Okay, so um, I'm sorry, my background is quite noisy. And that's why I've not been saying something. Yeah, so quite right. Um, I am just on what Treasure said. Of course, there are there are situations where we know that these guys, right? They talk, they talk to God and God led them into the marriage, and at the end of the day, they still have to break out and all. So for mm -hmm. me, I don't want to say that it is more than saying Christ led us into this or. I don't want to sound that way so that people will not misquote me. But I feel like personally on the part of the couple, like on, on the part of the partners, there must be willing, there must be willingness to commit, to mm. learn and learn, to, you know, of course, Christ, Christ, um, the, I know that one thing God has, has helped us to do as humans is to make decisions. So even if Christ or yeah, God is leading people into marriage, all right? Mm. And there is no willingness to change, to, to learn, to unlearn certain things about them, mm. then to be difficult. So let me put a context to that. So say for example, um, there is an organizer, right? Somebody that is organized and there is another person, a partner that is scattered. 
and the organizer is always wanting, yes, they are both Christians and and of course, one thing that happens is that that personality will come to play by the time we get, I'm not married, but I know that personalities will come to play by the time people get into the marriage relationship. And some things that you did not see while probably you were dating or things like that will begin to unveil. Is at that mm-hmm. point that there must not be this, it has to be conscious. First, it is, first it is, okay, we love each other or things like that. Then you to get to a second stage where you have to be conscious. It, was, it first comes like, um, how do I put it? it? At that point, it becomes we putting in the effort. So for me, mm-hmm. I, I usually tell people that marriage or relationship is work. Mm-hmm. And for you to be successful, the two guys, the two the, the partners must be willing to put in the effort to make it okay. work. So okay. for those people that have said, just, just to round up, for those that have said that, um, like Treasure, for example, that said that, okay, has not seen his dad and his mom, you know, correct, yeah, from the other, it is it is conscious steps in the, the mirror. Okay, this is how we want to resolve arguments. This is how we want to talk about certain issues, you know, and all of that. And I feel like I believe strongly that if Christ is the foundation, the two partners too must be willing to put in the effort. Right. Thank you, Walker. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I think we're going to get a lot more from Mr. Tony. He's right here. Everything you said, you know, we're going to ask you, sir, how come, why, why, how come Treasure never saw you fighting? <laughs> Did you do it in secret? But I mean, we're coming to you, sir, real quick. I just wanted to hear what Izzy has to say real quick. So just one minute, please, so that we can get into the other topics. Okay, so um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good evening, everyone. So um, from how I see it, a lot of people have marriage goes beyond um religion, and mm-hmm. people individuals are the ones that actually determine how marriages actually turn out. Right. People choose to have principles. People choose to live principled life, people just to have more and standards that guard them, regardless of religion. A lot of people become Christians and then they use religion to cover their wrongs. Yep. If, they, if they are regular drunk, they'll tell you, oh, well, the Bible did not say wine is bad. I mean, even if I get knocked out once in a while, it's not bad. Uh, if, I, if I womanize, I mean, I should be able to go to the club. They try to justify things. They even use scriptures to justify wrongdoing. So a lot of times, back to um, there was there earlier on, someone said that a marriage that is not based on Christ as a foundation, you cannot say it is successful. I would like to counter that because you you can actually see marriages that yes, so they may not be solid Christians. But because of the individuals involved in that marriage, the people who have the, their, their principles, their standards, their way of life, it has brought them far, and their marriage seems to be working. They may not be perfect, but they are able to, you know, complement each other and make compromises when necessary. I'm sorry, make some compromise when necessary. So for us to really understand marriages that work, it's important for us to know that aside having Christ as a foundation, our personal beliefs, our personal, our 
to as individuals determine how things would work. Uh, our principles as as questions determine how these things work. So let me just give an instance. So you have a roommate, and the two roommates they have their characters are quite different. One is a prayer warrior, always studying Bible, you know, very holy. So they don't do anything wrong, but they are they are very they are very dirty. They are very unconcerned. In fact, they don't greet you. They don't greet you in the room. They keep they keep malice a lot. The other one, the other. So these two people now, would you now say that you prefer to stay with the other one that probably keeps malice with you? Probably, but yes, they, they will be carrying Bible and praying. And so when you see them, you say, ah, this one, they're going to heaven. No, 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 no. While on the other hand, the other person seems to be, the other person that is not so, um, that doesn't really know God, mm. is better at character. So like, this is how I see it that for marriages to really work, individual characters, people's principles and standards, and Christ being the foundation, we really can make things complete, like make complete the whole. That's how I see that my own right, thanks thanks for sharing that. I Sorry. think I think you and Treasure are on the same page. It's just yes, we actually uh yeah we actually uh I didn't say like if it's I said whose standard that was where i started right right? and if you have two roommates that one in quotes claims to be a christian but yet christianity is not what i claim it is also how i live my life apart from what i claim right now i said whose standard because we see marriages that yes christ doesn't seem to be their foundation right Mm -hmm. but if we are looking at it from the eyes of the scripture if we're taking it from the fact that we are Christians, I and mean, if we are looking at it from the fact that, okay, this is what God's standard says. Because if you actually look at it and you read Ephesians chapter five, and then the first command that is given is how the husband should love um, the wife just as how Christ loves the church, already portraying the fact that Christ is the focal point of how we should mirror how we love our spouses and everything. I am not saying that people outside Christianity cannot have some form of successful marriage by human standards. What I am saying by God's standards, right? Right. When we consider from God's side or from God's angle, what he sees when he doesn't see a marriage that is centered around him is not a successful one. Because in marriage and every part of our lives as a whole or as Christians must be centered around him down to our marriages. That is what I'm saying. So I don't disagree with you, right? It is possible for us to have people who are out there. And yes, by every human standard, we can say, oh, they do A, B, C, D. They are successful. But by God's standard, if it's not centered around him, then it is not. Right. I think this is very, very tied on to the to the subject of salvation. How you know you might do every good work in the world, but that doesn't that's not what gets you saved. It's do you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, right? So it's almost the same thing. You can do things, two of you can do the exact same thing, but then um one is accepted, the other is not. And it's all because of a you know, 
union with Christ. So, but yeah, I, I hope what the, uh, the conversation here is clear. I think what we, we can summarize here is that um, the, what makes all the, the definition of a successful marriage is first of all, biblical, right? So what is God's idea of a successful marriage? It's a marriage that glorifies Christ, right? It's a, it's a marriage that reflects Christ. And it's possible for unbelievers to do this in types, in different forms in here and there. You know, they can express love, but they are basically stealing from God. I don't know if anyone has read the book by Frank Turek. It's called Stealing from God. And it was basically him talking about how atheists use God to make their case you know, I don't want to divest. I don't want to move off topic, but yeah, I hope that's, um, but that's good. Um, thanks so much for those thoughts. I want us to quickly move on because um, we have just a few minutes left. Um, so I'm coming directly to Mr. Tony now. And what I want to ask is, it's, it's, it's two-sided because I want you to be able to, you know, attack this once and for all. So my first Part of the question, sir, is what makes a marriage work? Now that we really know what you know a successful marriage is, what what makes a marriage work? And then secondly, um, I'll probably bring you back again, but like, can you talk a little bit about divorce and remarriage and what the Bible has to say on that? So that way we are hitting two things at once and saving time. Right. Thanks, uh, uh, Ernest. I hope you yes. can hear me. Yes, we can, sir. Right. Um, picking up from where we just uh, tried to land this uh, last point that was raised, um, let me just focus on the Christian aspect first. And that is to say that any Christian marriage can work depending on the persons involved. If two people sit together and God send an angel or comes to visit them personally and they know that this is God, this is your wife, or this is your husband. And if both of them do nothing about it, that marriage will fail. Not because God was not there, but they fail to do what they're supposed to do. Any marriage that works must be worked. Any marriage that works must be worked. So the people involved have their responsibilities uh, to do. So one of the key things that makes a marriage succeed is the fear of God. Like I said, I'm focusing on the Christian part first. The fear of God, what does that mean? It is that deep reverence and respect that you have for God that will make you not want to offend him. And that is what drives you also to obey him and to obey his word and to obey his instruction. One of our brothers uh, shared uh, earlier um, part of the things he has learned from what he saw in experienced marriage and what he decided to do. And that decision has helped him. Quick resolution of issues. What will make you quickly resolve issue? Your wife has offended you. Your husband has offended you. What will make you to quickly resolve it? It's your fear of God. God is not going to carry cane and come and whip you and chase you around the place. But because you so respect him, you so honor him, you do not want your relationship with him broken, then the word of God then jumps into your heart and you are willing to obey it. Ephesians 4, 26, yeah? Be, be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your anger. And so you make up your mind to say that whatever it costs me, I am going to fulfill the scriptures. 
If you don't, God is not going to carry a cane and come and hit you, right? But because you fear him, you love him, you respect him, you want to obey that scripture. So what does that, what happens? When your spouse offends you, you make up your mind, whatever it will cost you as a person, you are going to try to resolve that issue before the day ends. How does it work? I'll give you another scripture that helps you there. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, uh, I think verse, verse 7 or verse 6 and 7. It says, what was writing to them? It says, guys, you have a fault. I see that you people are dragging yourself to court. Why don't you rather take the, the offense? Yeah? So it means that for you as a spouse, even when you are not wrong, you are willing to say, look, I am sorry. Maybe the tone I used, maybe the way I said it, right? It's probably what made you, you know, to be offended. I'm sorry about it. What are you doing? You are trying to obey the scriptures that the sun must not go down upon your anger. So one of the things that helps you is quick resolution of issues. Don't let that offense pass that day. It is tough. It is difficult. But because you have the fear of God, you do not want to offend your father. You will go that extra mile. Listen, even when you are not wrong, you are willing to make that sacrifice to say, my spouse, my husband, my wife, I'm sorry. Maybe the way I said it, so that there can be peace. And then you fulfill the scriptures because you want to pray. If you carry that matter over to the next day, how are you going to pray to God? And God has given a clear indication that if you have not forgiven somebody, then you don't expect him to forgive you. So the man that fears God is a man that will obey the scriptures. All right. But when the fear of God is not there, you can afford to everybody throw away your face for one week. You are not talking to each other. You are sleeping in different rooms. All right. And it doesn't, it doesn't bug you. But if you truly fear God, you will not allow that matter to, to, to go that long. So I've merged two things there. Have the fear of God. The fear of God will drive you to obey him. So once you have the fear of God, you will obey the scriptures. So when the scripture says forgive, you are ready to forgive. I know that challenges come with that because somebody says, oh, he or she will take me for granted. Do your part and leave the rest of God. God knows how to handle your spouse. Now, one other thing that helps very quickly is learning, using those three words, I am sorry. Now, when a loved one says, I am sorry to the other person, it's like pouring ice water in a flame of fire. It just, it just goes down. All right. So it's so very important that we learn to quickly, you know, say, I am sorry when you have done something that, you know, it's not, um, it, it's not, it's not proper. And then um, when people also are trying to go into marriage, they should have understanding what I mean by understanding is to know what you are going into, that what you are going into is not a bed of roses. Even roses, they have thorns. There are going to be times of disagreement. There are going to be times of different perspectives. There are going to be times where you are going to argue, all right, uh, in, in all of these. So when those happen, what do you do? You apply the scriptures, you go to God in prayers. And uh, Treasure has uh, made mention of not seeing us you know, quarrel before him. We do have our quarrels and arguments, but between myself and my wife in our room, we disagree, we argue, but we have worked on the principle of this Ephesians 4.26, that we should not let this thing go beyond that day. So how we do it, as the day is going by, and nobody has considered, 
Somebody makes the move to say, ah, my wife, is it just this thing I said that is making you to be so angry? Why don't we just let it go? I mean, you reach out to your spouse, you, you hold the person, you say, leave me, you say that and, and all of that. But you have resolved within you that that thing will not continue. So you make the effort. And let me tell you, it will, it will, it will cost you everything. It will cost you your pride. It will cost you your ego. But you are driving somewhere. You want your marriage to succeed according to God's word. Now, the other thought I will bring to you is what I call the solution mentality, right? Solution mentality is we have put our hands into the plow. There's no room for looking back. If you look at Hebrews, the Bible says that if they've been be mindful of where they were coming from, they would have had a chance of going back, but they kept their, 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 their focus going forward. So once you enter into marriage, what you see there is solution. How do we get over this little challenge that we're having and move on? So it is not a situation of, um, let's just enter there. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, everybody find your way. No, that's not the mindset for a Christian marriage. When you put your head into the plow, you move forward. You see a challenge, you say, my, my dear, let's agree on this together. Let's pray about, about it together. This little disagreement that we're having, I mean, it will not lead us anywhere. Why don't we quickly resolve it? And both of you come together and try to, to handle that. So I've talked about solution mentality. I've talked about having the fear of God. I've talked about letting go very quickly. Don't allow the sun to go, uh, to come down upon your anger. And I've talked about learning to say, I am sorry. Yeah, these are some of the uh, little tips that indeed can help uh, uh, the marriage to work. Mm. So thank you so much. So I think what I, what I heard from everything you said is just that many times it takes more than just your faith, but the actions as a result of that faith. So it means that for most of your marital, you know, time, the time that you're married to this person, most of what you are doing is conflict resolution, communication, and trying to make sure that those, you know, issues are, are dealt with as quickly as possible, because I, I, I mean, and what you just said reminded me of something very important. Someone said that in the institution of marriage, that's where you're going to be hurt the most by the person you love the most. Yeah. And it's also an opportunity for you to forgive the most. And that just Absolutely. stuck with me. Um, let let me then, just add something then, uh, Ernest. Yes, yeah? sir. Um, your wife or your husband can tell you what no other person have told you before. Right. Can give you the insult that nobody had ever insulted you before. Yep. Right? <laughs> so I'm telling you, you, you must be ready. Uh, uh, when we were starting, I met you guys, uh, you were already discussing First Corinthians 13, right? If yes, you want sir. to understand the love that keeps marriage, that's where you find it. All this talk about, I love you, I love you, a lot of sweet um, mouth talk, but marriage is, uh, the love that keeps marriage is about 20% emotions and mm. 80% responsibility. Mm. That responsibility you will find in First Corinthians chapter 13, okay? That says that love is patient and it is kind. Mm. It is not easily provoked. It does not keep account of wrongs. Mm-hmm. It is not irritable. Right. It believed all things. Mm. Okay? So if you study all of that, you will see exactly the things that will be demanded of you. Your spouse will tell you what nobody has ever told you. Okay? Uh, th- this is the closest person to you. Yeah? She will release some things to you that if you are not godly, you begin to say, what kind of thing is this? All right? But at that point, you understand that you have a responsibility um, to forgive this person. 
And then one last thing I would like to mention on this is that we need to understand who this person is, right? The person you are calling your spouse, who is this person? Mm. This person is yourself, okay? Now, mm. in the beginning, when God was creating, the Bible says that uh, he created male and female. That's what we're told, okay? In chapter one, God made them male and uh, female. In chapter two, what did he do? He brought forth a man, okay? Before he took out the woman from that man. Mm-hmm. When you go back to uh, Genesis chapter 5, in verse 2, he said, in the day that God made them, male and female, he made them, and he called them Adam. Right. All right? So in chapter 1, he created man and woman. All right? In his creation, when he brought forth, he brought forth one being. That one being was carrying the woman. Okay? In Mar- he, he separated that uh, a woman so that he can have a, a fresh pair of hands, a fresh pair of legs, to be able to help the man who was alone. Okay? And he called them Adam when you look at chapter five. Mm-hmm. So when you are saying that this person has offended me, he has offended me, she has offended me, who is offending yourself? If your teeth bite your tongue, do you cut it away? No. Mm. All right. You, you let you forgive your, your tongue or whatever and you move mm. on. So when you have the understanding that this person is you, it will help you. And that's what you see in Ephesians chapter five as well. He said, yeah. Does anybody ever hate himself? He said, No. Right. He said, Nobody hates himself. He lost himself. So that's the same way you should love your spouse because right. this person is you. So when you have the understanding that this is me and it is me that offended me, it, you, <laughs> you will react differently. So that's right. important. Thanks. Right. Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts. Before we move into the issue of um, divorce and remarriage, I want to look at what we have in the chat and see if we can give quick answers to those questions. So <laughs> Victoria is asking, what is the place for involving God when choosing a spouse since any Christian marriage has the capability to work out well? So I think she's asking based on what you said earlier that you know any yeah, two yeah. Christians can make it work. So what's the yeah, yeah. place of involving God when choosing a spouse? Okay, that's a very good question. Thank you so much for that, right? Um, in the beginning, God gave man and man complained. After that, God said, whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing <laughs> and obtained favor of the Lord. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when you're growing up as a young person, you find that there's one, two, three, four, five persons, as all of you are sharing a fellowship like this. There may be people you like, there may be people who are, you know, you interact with very closely. And when you are beginning to think about a wife or a husband, right, your natural thought will want to flow ar- ar- around that circle. But at that point in time, you do not know who's actually best for you. Right. Somebody who talks with you all the time, they look so nice, but only God knows whose chemistry can actually gel very well with you. Mm. No, marriage is not about today, it's about tomorrow, right? That's why people enter, they say, ah, I don't know soon as you'll be, okay? <laughs> so there are things that you cannot see, no matter how long you caught the person. Mm. There are things that you do not know and you cannot see. Only God knows. In fact, when people have been married for 50 years, they are still discovering themselves. Mm-hmm. So there is an aspect that God knows. And so it helps you to go to him that knows, to say, God, guide me in this decision. Yes, sir. Right? Remember the word I'm saying, guide me in this decision. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Because God also wanted to take responsibility that this choice is also yours. So you are not coming back tomorrow and say, God, if not, do you punish me with this woman? I will not marry <laughs> this woman. Or you punish me with this man? Mm-hmm. But what you have said is that, Lord, you know what is best for me, so guide me. So mm-hmm. God will indeed lead you to what is best for you because indeed you can have two, three, four sisters or three, two, three, four brothers 
that you like. Mm -hmm. Okay, but out of this one, you do not really know the one that is best for you. Mm -hmm. And so you involve God that you ask God. Once you bring God in, of course, God will lead you. Once you have that open mind, you have a choice to make, but God will lead you. So mm -hmm. that is where God comes in. But if you decide not to pray at all, you just go and make your decisions. Eh, you're only making things more difficult for yourself. Right. Because some of the things you will have avoided, right? You will not encounter them. Mm -hmm. And your work will be much more difficult. Okay? Right. And right. from this point, I can play it back to what um, one of our sisters raised earlier. That even non-believers, their marriage work. Mm. That is true because marriage is of the earth. Right? Marriage is a physical thing. Marriage is not a heavenly thing. It is something right. that people do here on earth. If two people come together and they are ready to do the work, they are ready to apply the principles that are there, you find that this person's marriage will work. It's just like giving. Yeah? It's not, it's not only Christians who are benefiting from giving. Mm. But those are biblical principles. So if the people out there apply those same principles, it can actually work. But All right. when you bring God in, you already sift out a lot of the difficulties, a lot of the challenges you have been combat with. And once God leads you there, he knows that you have the grace and capacity then to be able to handle the person. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Um, I have two more questions before we move into this topic of divorce. I really wanted to hear your, I really want to hear your thoughts on that. But um, one question we have here is, what do you do when it feels like you don't have those, you know, butterflies in your stomach or mushy feelings for your spouse anymore? You know, I think this question is based on what many people have said. After the first few months, all the butterflies are gone and it's left yeah. to you. Yeah, so how do you, exactly. what do you do? I, I, I'm really so glad about that uh, question. Hmm. Um, that's why um, in the Western world, uh, outside here, you easily see after those butterflies, you see things collapse. You hear them come up, hey, I don't love you anymore. Right. It's because they have not understood what this love really is. Hmm. A lot of people's understanding of love is the butterflies, is the emotions. And if you have read the, um, uh, the five love languages, you would have seen the foundation that was laid in there. Those butterflies, they actually help you to get in. They help you, you know, it's like creating um, an interest. If you take a, a, a young child whom you want to create uh, interest in school, in school, uh, schooling in, you know, you take the, uh, the child to um, the kindergarten school. When they go there, a child who is two years, what are they doing in kindergarten? They're just mm. playing around. Yeah, they, you know, they, 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 they give them one or two things. Sometimes they give them biscuit to eat and all of that. At that time, nobody's talking about exam. Nobody's <laughs> talking about uh, arithmetic that needs to be solved. Right. You are creating their interest in academics. Mm. So emotions help you to enter. Mm. It helps you mm. also to mm. guide you on the person you, you can actually gel very quickly with. But I have said earlier, that this whole thing is about 20% emotions and the rest is responsibility. Mm. As you get in there, the phase of emotions will begin to fade. Now you begin to grow more in responsibility love. Mm -hmm. And that is what you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I don't need to feel anything to be patient with my wife. Mm. I don't need to feel anything to forgive the person. All right, those are quality decisions you will make you know, as a child of God. Why? Because God has put those abilities in what he called a husband. Mm -hmm. He said, husband, love your wife. God does not ask you to do anything. He has not given you grace to do. So at that point, you move towards 1 Corinthians 13 more. Understand, study those things, and you will find yourself taking those responsibilities. 
Mm. And as you take those responsibilities, you then create occasions where you can spice up, yeah? Spice up and try to stir up some of those things you did before that help the emotion to flourish. But the truth be told, it moves from emotions to more of responsibility love. When you are starting to find the person, the days of cutting is going to grow up to like 80% of emotions and 20% responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, th- those are days where you can use only words to feed the person. Mm-hmm. Every day you are sending text messages, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, <laughs> and nobody's thinking too much about anything. But when you marry, it, 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 the, the thing begins to, it begins to reverse. Yeah, you have a responsibility. You were not living with this person before you got married. So you can send text messages and all of that. But every day you are living with this person. You go to work together, you come back together, you sleep together and all of that. And this new life requires certain actions that will Mm. prove your love. When you say, I love you, what does it mean? Mm. It means that I am patient with you. It means that I'm not getting angry with you. And those things are irrespective of my emotions. Whether I have emotions, so I feel high, I feel butterflies or not, I am committed to doing you good all the days of my life. And that's what love is. Mm. Okay, mm. so mm. the person moves from that emotional realm, it gets to the responsibility side. And as you do those responsibilities from time to time, you spice it with some of those things you did before, you know, outings, um, you know, um, going to see places and, and stuff like that just to help you to spice up, but you grow in reality mm. towards the uh, more of the responsibility side. I'm sure you guys are being blessed by what you're hearing. I think it's even a, a good thing to add yes. that, we're, that we're listening to a pastor, by the way. I've been saying Mr. Tony so that I don't give you, I don't let you all, you know, I want you to realize that as much as we're listening to a, a pastor, we're getting sound insights. This is practical knowledge. The world is telling us the opposite, that, hey, it's all about the dates, the honeymoon, all of that. That's all we see. But the real work is hidden. I think there should be a revolution where we put forward the work that should be done before the fun moments that we get to have. This is so profound. Thank you so much for sharing. And we have just a few minutes, but I just really want to get your thoughts on the issue of divorce because it's come up in our question poll a lot. A lot of people have questions about divorce. What does the Bible say? Because from one part, we see Paul saying, hey, if you are unmarried, if you get divorced, stay unmarried, you know, until that person dies, then you can remarry. And then we see Jesus in the gospel say, hey, only with this um, condition of fornication, um, I mean, adultery, sexual immorality, could you get a divorce? So it confuses a lot of people. Like, what does the Bible actually teach on the subject of divorce and remarriage? Okay, thanks a lot. Um, God in uh, Malachi, I think, uh, this state clearly hates hates putting away. He hates, um, he hates divorce. Now, when you look through scriptures, there are two conditions where which um, um, a Christian can actually uh, have a divorce and remarry. Um, those two conditions are, if the, the two, you, you've mentioned one of it, and that is in, um, I think, Matthew or Luke 19, where Jesus talks about, except in the case of, um, the case of adultery. The second one is when the unbeliever departs. You also see that in uh, in First Corinthians, um, when the unbeliever uh, departs, i.e., both of you were unbelievers, uh, you became a Christian, and the person, no, 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 I can't put up with this, blah, blah, blah. This is your God every day, God every day, and all of that. And the person walks away. 
in that case, you know, the Christian is not, is not, is not bad. Now, even in these issues, yeah, starting with the one of uh, adultery, there is also the place of forgiveness, right? I.e., take it for, for you know, uh, there's a, a scripture we call the golden rule. It says, whatever you like others do to you, do so to, uh, to them, right? Yeah. Um, if you were the one, for instance, if you were, say, you as a man, were the one that go, uh, went astray, what would you want to be done to you? Will you want to be forgiven? If you want to be forgiven, so why can't you forgive your wife? Right. Or why can't you forgive your spouse? Hmm. So I believe so strongly, there's nothing you as a child of God cannot, cannot forgive. Right. As long as the person is sincere, oh, this is an error, and I'm willing to step back out of that. But if anybody wants to hold out to legalism and want to use that as a basis, that is a scripture. Hmm. That on the case of adultery, such a person uh, can be exonerated or can be, can be freed. But if the person is genuinely a child of God, I will imagine that the spirit also will be contending with that person. Yeah. What is so difficult that you cannot also uh, forgive? Looking at our own relationship with God. Uh, of course, we know that marriage is uh, Christocentric and yeah. is centered on Christ, just like the way Christ relates to us. So if we are forgiving all our wickedness, what is it that we cannot forgive uh, somebody else? Mm. And then, of course, the other one is the case of a non-believer who cannot uh, put up with you because you became a Christian. And he wants to. He wants to go. Many have gone the hog. Many have, uh, 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 you know, be patient and prayed through. And they got such people uh, converted. You know, there was a man who was even in our, in uh, one of our, our, our churches. You know, the, she, she got converted. And every time this man will continue with nonsense, he will bring women to their home and all that. But this woman continued to show godly example. And then just one day. Um, the woman was going to church and said, um, where is that your church? Take me to that church. I want to go. Mm -hmm. And the man in, uh, went to church that day and responded to the altar call and came out and said, she came to church because of the wife. Yeah, so we have seen uh, people who stood true, prayed true, and trusted God for their conversion. So the bottom line is, God indeed hates, hates divorce. But if somebody wants to be legalistic, the condition there is on the ground of, uh, of, of adultery. If the person exercises that right and the Holy Ghost you know, does not uh, convict him or he feels free to go about that. That is a ground in scriptures. We cannot, uh, we cannot argue against that. For God indeed hates the vote. Any other ground is not accepted. The issue of uh, well, irreconcilable, irreconcilable differences, that is not scriptural. Yeah. It's, not, it's not found anywhere. Yeah. If you remember the points I made earlier about walking in the fear of God. So what is irreconcilable? If both of you are willing and have a tender heart to listen to the Holy Ghost, Man. what is it that the person did? that right. the Holy Ghost cannot convince you to forgive. Man, I doubt that was the most sound response I've ever heard in four minutes. I don't know if anyone <laughs> will agree with me. It's three points, very three, three clear points. God hates divorce. God doesn't want what has been joined together to be separated, but then gives legal options, um, which, you know, because they, they, of course, Jesus was speaking to people, who did not have the spirit and he said hey this can be done moses because of the hardness of your heart said you can you know decide to, yeah. to break to get a divorce but god's standard is higher and so if you are in christ if you have the spirit of god love shared abroad in your heart you must love and you must forgive and that means that even in situations where the person is you know is not faithful to you and the person cheats or does something the christian position to start from is a place of forgiveness i received abundance of yes, forgiveness yes, i should sir. be able to give that forgiveness you know and, and like he said everything should be done 
I think it's a case by case basis when it comes to the issue of divorce, because someone is asking a question, what of the case of abuse? I'm one for saying, hey, if it's physical abuse, you're better alive serving God than dead. <laughs> so get away from that. That's my own position. I don't know what you think about that, sir, for okay. uh, in the case of physical abuse, sir. Yeah. If there's physical abuse, right? Um, elders, um, probably uh, senior ministers in the church to get involved, to try to counsel the man, uh, usually uh, more from the men. Of course, uh, women sometimes abuse. Uh, so to try to get involved or cancel, but if the thing is persistent and it's almost, uh, um, could possibly be leading to death, in mm -hmm. such cases, the, the woman can stay apart. Yeah, stay apart, meaning that you are, not, you are not divorced, right? You are just trusting God for these issues to be resolved and all of that. But if, if, what, if, if the worst comes to the worst, of course, you can stay alive serving God, stay as a separated person, not that you are going you know, into, another, into another marriage as it were. So that's why it's also very important. Somebody talked about the role of, of God in the, in the business at the beginning. Yeah, mm -hmm. pray through. Uh, God knows who you can handle and who is best uh, suited for you. But if it's going to lead to, to, um, to loss of life, of course, we will advise that such a person uh, stay apart while you continue to, to serve God, but not, not a, a divorce case. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. So that's, that's, that I think, I hope that answers your question, please. Like it still goes back to placing God's standard as the highest standard. And that means, I, I know this topic can be very emotionally charged. Trust me, very emotionally charged, especially if it's something close to home. Um, but like Tony is saying, um, Mr. Tony is saying the, um, the criterion that the Bible gives for that is will be different in this case. And then also because we're talking of God's institution of marriage, it's not something that we should find easy to break out of. That's, that's really the theme here. But ultimately he says, let there should be involvement of the church, active involvement of the elders and um, um, some level of separation of those two people. I know there are many views on this position. I've heard some theologians say, hey, you know, that's grounds for, for a divorce. But we're not saying that. We're saying, hey, put God's standard as first. In fact, there are a lot of scriptures that show that it is many times through the godly living of a woman. The fact that I'm beating you up, think about it, a man is beating up and somehow you're still not going ahead to have a divorce. Think about the potential of what that could be in the salvation of this person. Because someone who is beating a woman up, I don't, there's no fruit of the spirit in that. It's very, I can almost assume that this person is, does, is not a believer personally. Um, but yeah, we have come to the end of this conversation. I think this was beautiful. This was um, this was enlightening. How many of you feel the same way? This was enlightening. I can tell you for a fact that this is not um, the this is not the end of this conversation. I mean, it might be the end of this session, and probably for the next few months we won't talk about marriage. But it's an ongoing conversation. What I mean by that is, hey, the word of God gives so much wisdom on this subject. Your, your mindset, your worldview should be flooded with the light of God's word. God has given us his way, his path, his will, and he, he expects us to live by that, not by our own ideas, not by our own you know, convictions, but the convictions we get from God's word. 
And so what that means is if you're here listening to me, you're married, hey, do all that the word says about your marriage, all right? Be that person who is faithful, be that person who is displaying the love of, of Christ like never before, you know? If you're unmarried, let, get some sense and wisdom to make sure that you involve God in selecting. And when you are finally about to make that decision, realize that you are getting into something God has created for your all of your life on the earth. It's not just, you know, temporary. Don't, don't consider the idea of, oh, in 12 years, if it doesn't work out, I can leave. No, you're getting into a covenant, an agreement that is signed, sealed, by God. This is something God instituted. Um, and I believe there are still, there's a category that we don't talk about a lot, who, the people who will not get married. Um, and like we sp- said earlier, there are, cat- there are reasons why that would happen. Um, marriage is a good thing, but there is also something very beautiful in singleness. A lot of you are being pressured right now, you know, thinking, hey, it's all about getting married. When am I going to wear that white dress? When am I going to wear that suit? But many times in your singleness, you can glorify God. So make your singleness count. You know, if it is temporary, make it count. If it's a permanent singleness like Paul had, make it count. Make sure that you are living for the glory of Christ. Because at the end of the day, like Pastor Tony said earlier, marriage is here. There is no marriage in heaven, nor is anyone given in marriage. And that is where I hope lies christ is our the object of our faith he's the object yeah. of, of of our living so marriage is a temporary thing that god has instituted to glorify the risen christ to give us an image of how much christ gave himself for the church and gave his love to the church so if you don't end up getting married you've not lost anything if you are married let that be an opportunity for you to grow in sanctification in glorifying christ and um, making his name known in the world all right so um i can't promise if we'll have a part three but i just want to say thank you so much mr tony for the time you took out to join us today we appreciate you thank you for raising a godly son like treasure um he's been a blessing to us on this platform in many ways we appreciate you thank you for being a godly example to many of us here and we just want to pray in agreement here in bible marathon for you that your marriage will grow and blossom even more and more god will use you more mightily in every platform that you you have an opportunity to lead and to officiate that god's spirit will continually guide you and strengthen you and that there is more grace for the work that you have in jesus name amen 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 thank you love you sir thank you let's say we love you sir thank you so much i'll meet yourselves everybody Thank you, thank you. Right. It's all right. Nice with all of you. Thank you. Thank God you so much. You. All right. So in one minute, quick announcements. One minute. Um, this Saturday, treasure. I don't know if the plans are done, but we're there's a get together, there's a hangout either Saturday or Sunday. I think we'll communicate it for those of you in Lagos. There's going to be food, there's going to be drinks. We're basically going to come together you know, get to meet ourselves one-on-one. So more, more information will be passed across to you. Um, next week also, next Sunday, we're, for those of you who will join us here, we're going to have a conversation as well, but it's not going to be on marriage, sorry. I know you guys love marriage too much. It's going to be on something else. And I'm making, I'm consciously 
making it um a very private i'm not going to tell, tell you what it's about because i think it it kind of kills the effect of the discussion so i'm not going that's why there's no flyer to show you about what we are talking about next week but please just like you showed up today show up next week that conversation is hot very very hot and i really want us to talk about it um i can give you a hint it's something very very ah, can i give you a hint some of you will get it let me leave it for now but make sure you are here on sunday um starting next month we're going into you know hermeneutics sunday and we're going to learn seven things that we need to know about the bible that many people don't know so um, that would be an amazing session as well um, a lot of people have not finished first corinthians and i feel like it's because i'm very lazy i'm not pursuing many of you but i'm giving you an opportunity to finish up first corinthians for the third week all right so please give some time to study finish up with your accountability group and then um, so we can move on to the next book of the bible um i love you guys so much <laughs> uh, finally sneezed was coming <laughs> um so i'm just gonna say a short word of prayer and then let you guys go all right father in heaven oh, we uh, thank you sorry yeah go ahead I go ahead another, um stop this thursday will be a continuation of last week for those that are not aware, we are going okay. to be finishing on the matter of should women be um, pastors in churches and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so we started part one. <laughs> Ademola, I reject that right now. Take it back, delete it. Um, sorry, yeah, so Daniel, Daniel normally hosts a session on the WhatsApp group, pit stop session, all right? And, um, hello? Okay, and the conversation is always very important. Last week, we talked about should women be pastors, right? So we're con concluding that this week. That's what Daniel just said. So make sure you're available for that. It's on our WhatsApp group. And if you know anyone who would be, you know, enjoy and grow and learn from all the things we are learning and teaching here, you know, feel free to share the love with them, share the link with them, let them join our WhatsApp group. And for those of you who are visiting us for the first time, we love you so much. I don't see any new faces. I just see some new faces after a long time so welcome back love you guys so much all right let me pray now lord we thank you so much for this session we pray that even as we go into this week your joy your peace your love fills our hearts that we're strengthened we stand firm um, representing you in every way and every place jesus is glorified we are edified and the body of christ moves on the gospel will spread around the nations of the world and will be a part of the work that you're doing. We ask, Lord, that even in our works, um, in our education, whatever endeavor that we're doing, Lord, that we, we see favor, we see grace, we see your power at work. And Lord, everyone who is going through something difficult right now, you are the providential God, you are Jairah, you're the one who sees things before they happen. We ask, Lord, that you will meet their needs right there where they have them in a way that no one can. We love you so much. We appreciate you. What you're doing in Bible Marathon, we see growth. We see growth. Our path grows brighter and brighter. Thank you, precious Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Love you guys so much. Have a beautiful rest of 
the evening. I'm just going to share some music while we sign out. Thank you for listening to this recording. We hope this session was a blessing to you as it was for us. If you'd like to be an active part of Bible Marathon, maybe join in live on our Sunday sessions, be part of the WhatsApp group, or would just like to know more about the Bible Marathon project, visit our website, bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. That's bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. We pray you stay blessed, experiencing progress and joy in your faith.